the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 235. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Samson. And we are bringing the latest comic book news and comic book reviews from the weeks of October 29th through November 11th. We have a total of two books to cover and just a little bit of news, so let's dive into that news. So over the course of the last two weeks, Halloween took place. There is a couple of things that happened last week in the Batcave that posted on the 30th, Halloween-related. So if you're interested in seeing some late Halloween pieces because you, I guess, want to get your Halloween fix after Halloween... Be sure to check that out. Um, Some other news that happened. It was announced unofficially on October 30th that Liam Sharp, who was previously working with Greg Rucka on the Wonder Woman Rebirth series, he is going to actually be doing some sort of Batman Wonder Woman ongoing sometime in 2018. There's no actual news of whether or not he's doing anything outside the art. There's no word on whether or not there's a writer attached to this project. There's no word on pretty much anything. It Basically, what happened was he was at a convention, and someone asked him what he was working on next, and he just said, oh, I'm working on a Batman and Wonder Woman ongoing. That was it. A lot of news sites picked up on it and started reporting it, but I'm pretty sure this was unofficial, and DC probably didn't want to let that cat out of the bag just yet. So expect some sort of announcement coming in the near future. I doubt it's coming in February, but I imagine that is probably going to be announced sometime Maybe after Dark Knights wraps up, it'll be one of the new series that launches after that. But the one thing that I think is interesting about a Batman Wonder Woman series is it obviously is stemming from Batman and Wonder Woman's teaming up in Justice League, as well as their relationship that they've had throughout comics for a long time. But it's different because they've had multiple Superman-Batman series in the past, and they've had Superman-Wonder Woman as well, but they've never had a Wonder Woman-Batman series just focusing on those two characters. So I think that's interesting. I hope they don't go a romantic route with this. I think it would be just interesting to see the two of them working together and not have it some sort of romance involved, mostly because I didn't particularly read it, but I just remember hearing about how the Superman Wonder Woman series had a lot of romance involved in it, and I just don't want to see that. I would love to just to see those two characters interacting with each other, similar to the way we see Batman and Superman interacting with each other right now. I will say that if this is an ongoing series that's in continuity, I could potentially see this replacing Trinity. Not that Trinity's doing horrible in sales or anything, but it's not anything special. So if they wrapped up Trinity, which was originally Francis Manipal's pet project that he was working on, now he's not, and they've got other creators just doing these fill-in stories. They aren't filling in, they're just, they are stories. I feel as if that series could get discontinued and they could replace it with this. So, your guys' thoughts on Batman Wonder Woman? We don't have a writer attached to it. I noticed how you said might happen after Dark Knight's Metal. Maybe that would put... Mr. Snyder has said a lot of stuff about writing Wonder Woman. Be interesting. He's going to have to go somewhere. He's not going to not write anything for DC Comics. You know what I'm saying? Like, True. Um, he's got to go somewhere, so this would be good. Sharp's artwork and the Rucka run... Rucka's run on Wonder Woman was fantastic when he came back. I don't mind this. I don't think, like you said, we need this and Trinity, though. 
I mean, because one is Superman, Wonder Woman is one Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. I just, I don't know. I, I think that's probably too much. Manipul's a great writer. Trinity's been good, but you can stick him somewhere else. But I'm down for it. I mean, I think it would be a good book. I don't see it going on for 100 issues, but probably get a year or two. Also makes us go back to those comments. Why did they make it, just make it like a 12-issue maxi-series? It doesn't have to be an ongoing, yep. you know. Yep. I'm a proponent of shipping. However, I think it would depend on continuity. Is this all of its own little bubble or world? Or are we in some sort of other universe that's already been established? Well, everything at this point is conjecture because we have no idea where it would take place at all. So I'm kind of thinking it might be another continuity. Uh, I mean... I'm sort of thinking, remember when Superman and Wonder Woman had their own title and they had some romance there? That, you know, maybe it's similar to that, but again, another continuity just so that there's not this weird interaction because right now Wonder Woman is with Steve Trevor in her own title. And yes, she at one point during the the first arc, which I guess technically are the first two arcs since they were running concurrently, she does remember a relationship with Superman, but also, so you don't want to mess with that and you also don't want to mess with whatever is happening with Catwoman. So I, I think it'll be interesting. It's an interesting dynamic for sure. But if you remember Remember, the reason why I want to ship it is because Justice League, Justice League Unlimited as well. I knew you were going there. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Though. Oh, man. It was lots of fun. I especially love the kids stuff episode, one of my favorites, and just the interactions between those two. But yeah, and then the Hey Piggy Piggy one, I can't, I don't think that's what it was called, but when Diana was turned into a pig and then Cersei and he had to sing and all that stuff. So there's, there's some history, some history, <laughs> some history, some history. That was a better one. There's some history there, and I think uh, it's deserved to, to seek it out. Probably not on the first arc i think you got to build it but yeah i think this will be interesting i look forward to reading it do you think it maybe determines what their relationship like is in justice league the movie like we've seen dc trying to mirror stuff in the movies which maybe if there is a more flirtatious relationship in justice league the movie they would put that into a comic book i could see them doing that i could i could see that too i know that there was comments that were made that in justice league it's not so much that they're in a relationship as much as there is some definite sexual tension between the two characters. That has been said in actual interviews. I'm not making this up, I promise you. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to sit there and say it's, you know, it's unfound. I just would prefer if they didn't go the romantic route. But I guess the one thing that it would be interesting, though, that I would be okay with it covering the romance or a romantic element, at least, is if it was outside of continuity, I'd be completely okay with it doing that. If it was, you know, one of these Elseworld stories. I saw initially when the announcement was making the round, I saw someone comment online about, well, what if this took place within that Dark Knight's multiverse world where Batman was in love with Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman gets slain by Ares and then Batman becomes the merciless in that story. If you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't read it, it was just an alternate world as part of this dark multiverse that basically has Batman and Wonder Woman in a serious relationship. And then Batman just completely goes crazy because of Ares killing her and then ends up becoming half Ares, half Batman. But I thought to myself, that could happen. But I think that once Dark Nights is over, we're not going to have like these 
random series spinning out of it. I mean, they already, to a degree, have that happening with the dark multiverse stuff with, like, Damage and the Terrifics and some of the other stuff that they've got planned, some of the new series that they have planned that are down the line that aren't necessarily Batman-related, but if you pay attention to DC Comics, you know what I'm talking about. They were originally planned to start launching in December, and now they're coming out, like, late January, early February, but they've got a lot of high-profile artists attached to books that are also being written by high-profile writers to kind of, like, launch some of these titles. So it's not that something like that couldn't happen, but some of the stuff that they're doing, like Creature of the Night and The Dark Prince Charming and White Knight, where it's outside of continuity, I think that's a perfect place to do something like that. And I'd be completely okay with the romance between the two characters as long as it's not within continuity, just for the sake of what's already happening in continuity. Okay, works for me. All right, so then next up, just so you are aware, as you're listening to this, this is releasing on the 17th of November. November 18th is what DC has dubbed as Justice League Day. Now, if you're familiar with Batman Day, which generally happens, it has happened in the past on various days, but normally it happens sometime in September. When it happens in September, you go to the comic shop. Your comic shop normally has a bunch of Batman trades and stuff on sale. They also have free comics that you can get. It's not like Free Comic Book Day where there's a massive amount of free comics, but generally speaking, most comic shops have at least one or two or three. I think the last Batman Day this past September was actually dubbed Harley Quinn Day because of Harley Quinn's 25th anniversary. That character, there was three different comics. One was a Batman one, there was a DC Superhero Girls issue, and then there was a Harley Quinn issue. Those were just reprints from before that were free. Well, anyway, if you're familiar with that, there's also massive sales on Comixology for digital comics. There's other sales that they say are happening in other places, but to be quite honest, I don't really see those other sales happening. Sometimes somebody will send out a tweet saying, hey, we've got Batman merchandise on sale because of Batman Day or something like that. But it's not like it's heavily advertised. You're going to walk into a Target and find a bunch of Batman stuff on sale. That being said, DC has announced that November 18th will be known as Justice League Day in honor of Justice League coming out. I think they also did a Wonder Woman Day back when Wonder Woman came out too. But Justice League Day, they're going to have a couple of reprinting comics. They're going to have the massive sale on Comixology and a variety of other things. You can check out the full list of everything they're going to do. One of the things that they tend to do with these is that there's always a massive amount of creators who do signings at local comic shops across the country and sometimes in Canada. So if you are interested in that, definitely take a look at the list. It is happening like right away after you listen to this, so be sure to check it out. There's a link to all of the details and all of the different things that they're doing and the events and the times and the locations and things like that. I believe the one thing that I thought was uniquely different with this one compared to previous Batman Days or even Wonder Woman Day back in June was that they said that Six Flags will also be handing out free comics, these free Justice League comics as well, which is different than in the past because Six Flags hasn't been involved. So there's also multiple Six Flags will already be closed for the season, so that might have something to do with it too. But So take a look at the list on the website, and if you are so inclined, head out to your store and buy some Justice League comics. Do you think they're concerned that that this movie is just going to flop and so they need some incentives? Do I feel that way? Is that what you just said? I, do you think that's why they're doing this? Is this all a big gimmick to support the movie because they think it's going to flop? Well, they did it for Wonder Woman, and, and that movie didn't flop. So 
I would guess that it's just a gimmick to try to get some sales out of comics. I'm guessing the whole idea is, hey, Just League is in theaters. Let's just cross-promote this and have a event at local comic shops to promote the movie coming out and to get people to potentially go to the comic shops the same weekend that the movie comes out and get some business into the local comic shops. I'm guessing that's the main gist of it. To a degree, yes, it's a marketing gimmick to make money on their behalf, but I think it's just a way for them to promote the movie in a different way and get some of the comic shops involved since they're the ones who have been selling Just League products for many, many years compared to the movies being out and things like that. Your cynicism about the release of the movie, though, no. kind of worries me. What? No, I I was... I didn't say I thought it was going to flop. I said, do you think that they're like trying to buffer it or uh push it up well and plus all of the things coming at us i have to say i'm going in i'm trying to go in with like a very open mind i would say that i actually pretty much am the you know pretty open-minded but everything that's coming at me is like really negative and so <laughs> this it's not like i'm coming out of left field that this could be a bad movie everyone's telling me it's going to be a bad movie i'm just trying to go in with an open mind I mean, I, I can't speak to the, the aspects of the movie that are, it's plot, I haven't seen either. But I think it'll do business, right? Like, I mean, Thor did like $110 million. It'll easily do more than that did on opening weekend, I think. I don't think that's true. I disagree with you. But I think what's going to draw people in is Wonder Woman. Because Batman versus Superman didn't do this movie any favors. Wonder Woman was the best part of that. Wonder Woman blew away everyone when it came out as a solo film. So I think people are going to go in with higher expectations. I'm going in hoping that you don't tear down Wonder Woman, what you've already created. But I disagree. I think that it's not going to get as much money as Thor will. Really? We'll see. Wow. We have to remember. Yeah, I. Yeah, absolutely. We have to see, though. I don't because I don't remember our conversations after we hang up. So once we check the numbers, we're gonna have to see <laughs> who was right. Ooh, we'll have something to talk about. That'll be definitely a discussion point we'll have in the next episode. I also think the movie's gonna do well. I think it'll probably beat out Thor by a small amount. It's not gonna like blow Thor out of the water. Thor had 110 million, I think, on opening weekend. I think Justice League might squeak by like 115, maybe 120, depending on how these reviews come out. Because they're releasing the full reviews like literally like the day before or two days before the the film comes out. So it's not like there's going to be a ton of time. And I feel as if that could be a bad thing because if nobody is prepared that the movie's not going to be super amazing, and then all of a sudden the reviews just pound it like happened with Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad that could harm the tail end of the weekend and then therefore have an issue but I think that initially the first weekend should be pretty good I mean Batman vs Superman even though those reviews pounded the crap out of that movie because I mean let's be honest there was plenty of problems with that movie the movie still made like 160 million dollars in the end of March so it's not as if it couldn't do well I don't think it'll do as well as Batman vs Superman but I think it'll probably do better than Thor, even if it is just by a small amount. So we'll leave it at that. I don't think that Warner Brothers is is banking on it flopping and hoping to make it up by local comic shops selling some Justice League stuff. We shall see. We have our next talking point for our next comic cast, so everyone. No one's gonna remember. Oh, we oh, will. We I will. just put a reminder in my Outlook. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm marking it down on for the next sure. episode. Justice League discussion. 
All right. Anyway, so the last bit of news that we've got is there was a new comic series announced. If you've been playing video games, you know that there tends to be a tie-in comic with practically every video game that comes out. They had one for Injustice Gods Among Us. They currently have one for Injustice 2. They've done multiple tie-in series for Batman Arkham City and Batman Arkham Knight. So why would it be any different that when there's a series such as Batman the Telltale series... There is a comic book series for that. Of course there is. So the first season came out last year and they didn't have a comic series. Currently, episode two has released last month. There's not a current release date for episode three of the current season of Batman the Telltale series. But there is at least four more episodes because I think it's either five or six episodes that are coming out this season. Maybe they're pushing, you know, spreading them out a little bit further. Last year, they were coming out like once a month. This year, it seems like they're coming out every other month at this rate. But DC announced that they have a series that is coming out to tie in the time between Seasons 1 and Season 2. So if you have played the game and you are curious to know what actually occurred, the comic series will try to fill in those gaps. Christos Gage, who previously worked on some of the Arkham series, is going to be doing the writing. And the art is going to be done by Raffaele Ienko, I think. Perfect. You nailed it. He previously is known for his work on Fantastic Four. Who knows when that is, because last time I heard, Marvel hasn't produced a Fantastic Four series in a number of years. Really? I don't know whether or not that's true or not, but my understanding is that they have not been doing Fantastic Four for quite some time. Anyway, so if you are interested in knowing what happened in between the two seasons of the Telltale series... Take a look. The series, of course, as usual, will release digitally first in chapters, with two chapters being collected into printed form. The first digital chapter will launch on February 12th, and the first print issue will release on February 21st. It will be six-issue miniseries that will be this series. So that is something you can look forward to in February. Next episode, we will probably have the full solicitations for February, so we may have some more announcements for new series or ending series and things like that come very soon. Any thoughts about the Telltale series, real quick, before I get into something else? No, I mean, I had the first Telltale game. I never finished it. it it's They're good. I just... <gasps> I know. I know. I know. I feel like an idiot. But I got halfway through it, and then I started playing some other games, and then I never got back to it. <gasps> it was cool. I know. I know. Beat me. I'm I'm, I'm not doing it right. But I do, <laughs> I do mean to go back and finish it. It was good. I've never actually played it. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she's giving Ed all of this junk for no purpose whatsoever. Well, you know, I like to be a hypocrite sometimes. Or at least you, you know that Ed's my nemesis, so I need to give him a hard time, of course. And all this time I thought you were my nemesis. Oh, the oh. truth comes out five years later. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the last thing I want to talk about real quick is one thing that I've noticed because solicitations are coming out before the next episode. One thing that I've noticed recently, which kind of flew under the radar because it hasn't affected or touched any of the TBU series yet, is that some of the series that were previously double shipping are now only shipping once per month. And I don't know about this all of them because I didn't have the time to research all of them, but I noticed that it's happening with Green Arrow and Deathstroke for sure. I want to say Cyborg is another one that's also now become monthly, but I can't speak for sure on on, uh, Cyborg. Cyborg and Aquaman have. Okay, so yeah. Okay, so so there is a couple more. But they basically, they reverted from double shipping at $2.99 per month to now only having the one issue per month. The price jumped 
for those books from two ninety nine to three ninety nine, and then you get that free digital copy that they just basically give you for free for charging you the extra dollar, like they do basically all of the other monthly books. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on whether or not you think that any of the series that are currently releasing as part of the Batman universe and the stuff that we cover in Greater Gotham that's double shipping. So this would be like Batman Detective Comics, Harley Quinn, Nightwing. Those are the only ones that are still shipping twice per month. Justice League's twice a month. Yeah, so Justice League, Justice League of America, Batman, Detective, Nightwing, Harley Quinn, those are all the books that are still double shipping that we cover here on the site. Action Comics and Superman is still double shipping as well as Wonder Woman. So is there any of those books that, whether or not they're the TBU books that we cover or Action, Superman, Wonder Woman, any of those books, do you think any of those books deserve to be potentially brought back down to just one issue per month. Do you think it's worth it, or do you think that they all need to stay where they're at with two issues per month? I think that your tertiary books that aren't selling as well, let's be honest, this is a sales game, right? So, like, Nightwing, Justice League of America, I could see a world where the only double shippers are the books for the heavy hitters, the two Supes books, the two Batman books, and the Wonder Woman book. And I could see everything else going back to once a month. In fact, it would almost be preferable to me. Yeah, I agree with Ed there, my nemesis. I just don't know if it's it's not necessarily doing the book any favors. I guess it's sooner when you read it and you don't have as much of a gap of time. And we know that Marvel likes to do little synopses, but DC doesn't do that. So it's helpful there. But I, I don't think it's worth it. Like when I read Nightwing now, I'm like, huh, it's another Nightwing. But, you know, I get more excited, I think, knowing that, oh, I have two Wonder Womans awaiting my male comics now. So, yeah, M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E. Mail coming. You mean in the mail? Yes, in the mail. Yep. I just want to clarify. The, the United States Post Office. Correct. <laughs> anyway, the the books that I personally think should continue double shipping, Batman Detective, Wonder Woman makes perfect sense. I, I know the sales numbers aren't as high for Wonder Woman, but I still think it's important to have that book double shipping. Action and Superman makes sense. Action and Detective for sure because they are, you know, the... Race to 1,000. Yeah, the flagship series books of DC, even though Batman is probably the best-selling book of DC, I think that all five of those books, definitely. Justice League, I'm kind of on the fence about, specifically because I know Christopher Priest is coming in in December, and he's going to be telling a new story, and I think... The way Just League has been for the last year and a half, I would be perfectly fine if it went to once a month. But I'm kind of interested to see what Christopher Priest does with the series. If it turns out to be really great, then by all means, I have no problem with it having two issues per month. Just League of America, on the other hand, there's no creator changes in the near future with that. And I think that that series, there's no necessity whatsoever. Also, I forgot Suicide Squad's still double shipping too. And Harley Quinn. Yeah. Just continuing on, Just League of America, no problems switching that to monthly and the biggest reason for a lot of these books i would prefer them going to monthly is just for the art outside of honestly and i and i don't know how this is happening over in the superman books with superman and action comics but i know detective comics has been pretty consistent with they at least they, they try to get the same artist on for initially when they started they had two artist teams and they were swapping back and forth between arcs then they added a third artist team to do some of these like one or two issue story arcs to kind of put a little bit more time in between the arcs but batman has done something very similar where they've had two main 
our teams with Mikel Jannon and David Finch, and then they have some fill not fill, I wouldn't call them fill-in artists because they are planned, but it's basically they have like Clayman come in do those he did those Kite Man issues and things like that. So they've been pretty consistent with the art on those two books. I know Wonder Woman had two different art teams working on two simultaneous stories that were happening where one was the year one storyline and one was the present storyline they had two different art teams but each one only was producing one issue per month eventually i know that catches up to anybody regardless of how good of an artist you are there's a lot of you know eventually producing one book every single month it just catches up and you need to have a break at some point but suicide squad justice league justice league of america have all had super major issues with the artists where they have a new artist basically every issue because they can't get caught up they're in a position where there's no way that they're going to get out of this this way of making comics where they you know they're producing one at a time so the way Justice League of America story-wise is happening, I would I don't see any reason why it would need to continue double shipping. Justice League, I'd be fine with it staying double shipping for now until Christopher Priest has a crack at what he's doing. Suicide Squad, I also would prefer, especially since there's some really weird things sometimes where they randomly have these one, two, three-page backup stories that are in the back of the book just because I guess the artist ran out of time or the script was too short. I don't know what's going on with that, but Suicide Squad going back to monthly, I mean, now that the movie's out, that was the whole point, I guess, in the beginning was to give it. That book has never been super popular before the movie came out. Or currently. Yeah, or currently based off of current sales numbers. So there's no reason why it would need to continue to go that route. Nightwing also, I mean, honestly, Nightwing is probably the first one that would go out of the group of all the books. Just because it seems like, well, one, the sales numbers aren't amazing. They're somewhere in the 30,000 range. It's fine. Which isn't bad. I mean, that's yeah. very that's very average. But the thing is, when you look at it from, well, it's selling 30,000 issues per issue, and they're selling two issues per month, 60,000 copies of the two books is great numbers, but at the same time, I don't really, I mean, like, Green Arrow was a little bit lower than that, so it's not as if it's too far off. Nightwing would be fine. Honestly, I would I would prefer if they just kept Batman and Detective and Justice League, just for the sake of, you know, with the popularity from the movie and things like that, keep those three books as far as what we cover here on the site. The Harley Quinn one, it honestly feels like now that Connor Palmiotti and, and John Timms are leaving the title at the end of December and Frank Thierry's coming on board, not anything against Thierry, but it seems like that would have been the perfect opportunity to switch up the format and get it over to be a monthly book. I know the character is super popular. The issues are still selling pretty well. I know they're selling better than Nightwing, but it's not like it's going to continue that route it would have made sense to use the opportunity of a giant creator change of creators that were on the book for like five years almost to have them switch up the format and just do it monthly. Like, I almost wonder if there's a reason why they're only, you know, dialing back certain ones or they're only dialing back a certain number of characters. And who's to, who's to say that they couldn't end up increasing it later on in the future? But it seems like there's a couple of missed opportunities with this. I just realized it a couple of days ago because it didn't touch any of the main bat books that we cover on a normal basis so i didn't know anything about it and i saw something online about it i was like oh yeah huh it's only a matter of time before that happened but yeah it wonders too are they going to have new solicits for new series because i don't think they're going to have less issues on shelves for a month you know what i'm saying it's true yeah so it would lead me to believe that maybe like the superman wonder woman thing we talked about earlier we could see a big glut of solicitations coming soon 
Yeah. Or maybe right now there's not, but maybe after February when Dark Knight's Metal wraps up, there's bound to be something else. I mean, Doomsday Clock, they have promised over and over again that there's not going to be any crossovers and there's not going to be any tie-ins. So there's not the opportunity to increase sales. Sure. I believe you. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm really hoping that because Jeff Johns is in charge of this 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 thing, I'm really hoping that he and he's the one who's saying this. I'm really hoping that he holds the line and makes sure that that doesn't happen. But you know, I'm not going to hold my breath by any means for it to not happen. But but at the same time. If that series isn't creating anything like mini other miniseries and tie-ins and things like that, there's still got to be something. Snyder has been hinting that they're mapping out 2018 as far as some of the storylines and things like that. He still seems to be super involved with whatever is going to be coming after Dark Knight's Metal, even though he's not going to be working on any major Bat books, as he has said. He's gonna. He's got that series with Sean Murphy that he's gonna do. But outside of that, I don't see that happening until after White Knight's officially done. So that's probably not even gonna launch until late mid to late 2018 at the very earliest. But outside of that, I don't know what he's gonna be involved in. I mean, he says he's not going anywhere. He was on Twitter he, recently. He was polling to find out what people would like to see more of. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he's attached to next year. But because obviously, I mean, he's got a contract with DC. They're not gonna not have him producing something. He's going to be doing something for sure. Exactly. That is basically all of our news. The only other things that are out there, like I said, there's two new things of Last Week in the Batcave that always post on Monday mornings, so be sure to check that out. Also, if you are enjoying those articles, be sure to leave comments to Jessica to encourage her to continue to do them because obviously those are some of our highest read articles that we have over on the site but there's very little comments hopefully with the new version of the site we're coming up with we'll be having a little bit more discussion with comments in the near future but in the meantime leave your comments to encourage her to continue doing those and giving her encouragement and praise for those articles that she's creating in addition to that there's a couple of new DC All Access videos to check out one dealing with the Just League another one dealing with dark knight's metal soundtrack that's literally being created from the ground up for dark knight's metal and i have this strange feeling that it's not even going to be released until after dark knight metal's over so plan it for it when trades come out but outside of that there is no other news so we're going to dive straight into our comic reviews and the very first one we have is batman <laughs> Batman number 34, The Rules of Engagement, part two. Script, Tom King. Pencils, inks, and cover, Joel Jones. Cover and interior color, Jordy Beller. Batman and Catwoman have reached their destination, and they end up having to face a whole horde of minions of Talia. They survived said horde, but now they are tired, and they realize really that was the goal all along, because now Talia comes out, and she's about to face off, and they do end up asking for Holly and, and information on her because they tracked her here, but she doesn't really say anything. Talia ends up going mano a mano with Batman, Batman who doesn't have a sword. He gets taken out and stabbed in the back, quite literally, and then she asks selena the same thing that she was asking bruce do you have a sword and uh in, in a rather comedic panel i thought it was pretty funny maybe i was the only one but 
Selena just walks by Bruce's, you know, body and rips out the sword and she's like, yeah, well, this one do. So the next issue, we're going to see what a fight between Talia and Catwoman looks like. On the other side of things, which is really quite close to where Batman and Catwoman are, Damien and Dick have both traveled to that particular passageway that no one's allowed to go through. And Superman stops by and basically says, you're not allowed to go, and then he swoops off. And so Damien and Dick decide to wait it out. Really, Damien's the one that's deciding to wait it out, but Dick is waiting with Damien. And in a, in a very nice scene, I would say. Dick's words are, you and me, kiddo, from the beginning and all the way to the end. So I thought that was pretty nice. So next time we have, well, it doesn't say. So to be continued. Meow. Meow, meow. Remember in Wego Batman? Meow, meow. He's on his way. Okay. Well, well, well. Is this the only way for Talia to be able to defeat Batman is to tire him out? Was this potentially a fair fight because he was fatigued and so he was brought down to her level? Or do you think that even them fighting with him up to strength, she would have defeated him? I think it probably would have been a pretty evenly matched fight between the two. Probably has a lot to do with the fact that he's super tired as to why he was in some ways, at least in my opinion, easily taken down. The fight that I guess we're looking forward to in the next issue is the one where I'm kind of interested to see how this plays out. But I'm pretty sure we know the direction they're going, which is Dick and Damien end up somehow stopping the fight because I don't see Catwoman being on the same skill level as Talia. But at least between Batman and Talia, I'd say that it has to do with the fact that he was he was tired. I think it kind of depends if Talia's in a killing mood or not. <laughs> um, I mean, seriously, a lot of times when she's fighting Batman, she's not actually trying to kill him. Sure. We take that as a, as a granted, right? If she is legitimately trying to kill him, I mean, the, the truth is she has the upper hand because he's not going to kill her. But Talia's also super smart, so why take a chance? If you can, if you can wear down your opponent before you fight him, you should do that. So I think she's just playing it smart. I, I guess I've never thought about her fighting abilities, but <laughs> it seems like I don't know if I've ever seen her like in a pretty good match. I mean, I've seen her on Batman the Animated Series, but I don't know if I've how much of a fight I've actually seen her in. And I think I'm more like associating her with Lady Shiva, which is clearly, you know, I, I don't think she's on that level. So I don't know. It's hard. I think it was unfair, obviously, to fatigue him and bring him down. But I think maybe this is not necessarily to level the playing field. Maybe it was already leveled. Though Batman's arguably one of the better fighters in the, well, I should say best fighters in the DCU. But it's just a way for her. I don't know if she necessarily cares if it's a fair fight or not. So that's interesting. But yeah, I don't know if she's much of a fighter. Hmm. I'll have to think about this. My follow-up to that, and this is really my only question because I feel like not too much really happened in this particular issue. Do you think that Catwoman also fatigued versus Talia is going to be a fair fight. And what do you foresee the outcome being? 
But I kind of already mentioned what I kind of thought, which would be I feel like Talia is going to basically be far superior in the fight between the two of them. And I feel as if the only way it's going to actually stop is, well, there's actually two possibilities. The first possibility is that Dick and Damien somehow arrive and get away from Superman and Damien somehow talks his mom into to basically talks her down. I think the more likely possibility is that Holly Robinson is involved with Talia and she actually requests Talia to stop and presents herself because Talia is basically going to, to you know completely destroy Selena because she's just so much better of a fighter. So that's what I would picture is going to happen. I think that Dustin makes a logical leap here, and I think that what I'm about to say isn't what I think I want to happen, but I think that after reading Tom King's previous writing, I believe this is going to happen. I think Selena's going to flat out win, because that sounds like something that would happen in a Tom King story. And then she'll not kill Talia, because she's not a killer, and she's marrying Bruce, and I think there'll be this whole exchange at the end like, see, I'm so much better than you are, ex-girlfriend type thing. I just do. I mean, I don't really want it to happen, but I think it will, and then Tali will tell her where Holly is. I mean, I'm assuming that's why they're there. And then they'll go off to get Holly. Yeah, I think, think obviously, there's so much going on in this fight. It's not just on the well on the surface you know it is just a fight but i think there's so much more going on you've got the holly situation you've got sort of a past and versus well they're both past girlfriends past and present girlfriends i guess and future and there's just it's very interesting i like how the man was taken out of it and now it's the women that are going to be talking but they're going to be talking with their fists i think even though catwoman is fatigued like Batman was that she's going to hold her own and I also agree that I think she's going to beat Talia. I think we saw her ingenuity when she was facing off against Batman. She also took down the big guy in front of that little gate so it's clear that she's a fighter. Perhaps that's what Tom King was doing, seeding sort of those little scenes to show, to beef up her abilities, her prowess. What's interesting however is that if she wins you sort of have to question Batman then. Because they were fighting the same people, they're both tired, but Batman gets defeated and Catwoman doesn't. So does that mean if Catwoman wins, I guess this is a sub-question, if Catwoman wins, does this mean that she's a better fighter than Batman? Given all of this, I mean, obviously your knee-jerk would say no, but given all of this evidence here that's happening in the story, wouldn't you be led to say yes? Yes, you would be led to, I mean, like, knee-jerk, yes, Batman is a better fighter, but if Catwoman somehow defeated Talia, then yes. She would be a better fighter. I don't think for a minute that's the direction we're going, though. Transitive properties all being the same. Same argument that happens in the <laughs> college football playoff race right now. Ah. Yes, you, you you would, but I mean, then there has to be the the monicum of sense that says, "Wait a minute, that can't be accurate." Yeah. Well, that's all my questions there. All right, so I'm going to give this issue a total of two and a half out of five. I'm going to go three out of five just because I really like Damien and Dick hanging together. Yeah. I, I'm going to agree with my nemesis, Ed, and say also three out of five. And that was a heartwarming scene. And I also really like Selena just walking by and pulling that sword out of Bruce's back and saying, Will this do? 
All right, and over on the website, Matthew gave it two, so that's going to give Batman a total of two and a half out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 968, written by James Tynion, art by Alvaro Martinez. Ulysses Armstrong, the general, works in the colony airship, composing a letter of complaint to Colonel Kane about his punishment for attempting to destroy Gotham with the Nanites during the League of Shadows assault. He notices that his stolen Red Robin suit is registering Tim's presence, but before he can do anything about it, Brother Eye takes control of his drone fleet. Initially worried, Armstrong decides to watch his murderous machines try to kill Batwoman instead of warning his boss. Meanwhile, in the Batcave, tomorrow, Tim, Batman, fights off all four Bat Robins that would include Dick, Jason, Tim Drake of the present, and Damien, as well as Bruce. Tomorrow, Tim claims he's trying to prevent any of the Robins from becoming Batman in the future because before he can succeed, the time street starts to yank him away from our hero's present. Tomorrow, Tim knocks Batman out by playing with Bruce's worst fear that all the Robins will die because of the mission, then stunning him with an electrical charge. Brother Eye tells Tomorrow Tim that his tachyon charge, the particles which connect him to the time stream, is increasing, indicating that he's running out of time, literally. Following the drones, Brother Eye has commandeered from the colony to the Belfry. Tomorrow, Tim leaves the Robins to fight off Brother Eye's controlled Batmobiles, though today Tim sees him leave. In the Belfry, the drones break through the defenses, and though Batwoman tries to get the other Gotham Knights, including Cassandra, Luke, Jean-Paul, and Basil, to leave, Cass insists that they fight together. Today, Tim follows his dark future self to the underground train system he designed, but tomorrow Tim anticipated that and uses the time spent in transit trying to convince Tim to give up Batman's mission. Today, Tim refuses and gets knocked out for his own determination to do the right thing. Tomorrow, Tim has Brother Eye paused the drone assault and put a force field around himself and Kate. Tim tells Kate she disappointed him and that in just a few weeks, she will destroy people and set off a chain of circumstances that leads directly to him being forced to become Batman. As he raises his gun to murder Batwoman, a batarang strikes it, breaking it. Tomorrow, Tim is stunned that his power in the Belfry has been broken, but today, Tim and Batwing have worked together to defeat Brother Eye long enough so that Tomorrow, Tim will be sucked back into hypertime. Furious, Tomorrow, Tim orders the drones to destroy the whole building, but Batman and the Robins, flying fighter jets old enough to be more difficult for Brother Eye to control, destroy the robots. Today, Tim appeals to his older self, saying that the life of a hero doesn't have to be a lonely one. Tomorrow, Tim weeps, believing that he has failed to save his past self and those he loved in this time frame from the future that he hates. The time stream reasserts itself, sucking Tomorrow, Tim away, leaving Red Robin standing alone at the window of the Belfry. Words of his future self ringing in his ears, that everything he loves will fall apart and he will become this dark version whether he wants to or not all right so that was that was good uh this ends the lonely place of living story arc that we have been reading the funny thing about this is right after the issue released james tyne had actually gone on twitter and said that he can't believe that dc is allowing him to write this tim drake fan fiction that he is currently (laughs) currently working i thought that was I, th- I thought it was kind of funny when I read that. Well, because he's able to do whatever he wants, and I mean, not that it's bad by any means. I wouldn't say it's bad, but they're letting him do whatever he wants. Which I mean, 
for writers is great. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about. One, they brought Ulysses Armstrong back into the story. I don't know if it was just because they needed the drones for part of the storyline, or if Tynion is hinting at yet again the character is going to have a prominent role coming up in an upcoming arc. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. This is a minor thing, because the, the bigger thing has to do with the future and the repercussions that could occur. But the first thing I want to ask is, the general, the way he's portrayed by Tynion, do you feel as if this is a character that, if not connected to Jacob Kane, could be somebody that we could see as a threat, a legitimate threat to the team down the line. To the team, less so to Tim, yes. I mean, he's a Tim Drake adversary, you know what I'm saying? I think that whenever you have a super team together, especially one that includes Batman, Tim, you know, you start, it's a pretty sizable list now. I think that they've got to be a little more upper echelon. If he's working with Jacob Kane and the colony still, sure, he could be part of that threat. But I think Solo, he's best reserved for him versus Tim stories. I agree with Ed. I didn't like him in this particular story. I thought it was intrusive. It sort of took me out. I realized that it had to do with what was going on, at least. But I just wanted to keep focused on the older Tim versus all of that stuff. And I think perhaps some pages worked. Or I guess, how many pages was he on? Just one? No, no. Two of them. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it could have been better served elsewhere. I personally think that they're hinting at him popping up at some other point in the future. I don't know if that's... I mean, the colony, despite the fact that the colony, or at least Colony Prime, has been present over in the Batwoman series, Jacob Kane hasn't had a whole lot of appearances recently. I feel like this is probably the book that's going to deal with Jacob Kane, even though I thought... That the whole Jacob Kane colony stuff was going to branch over into Batwoman, but it doesn't seem like at least that's the case in the near future, because other than Colony Prime popping up, there's been no real connection between Jacob Kane, the colony, and the Batwoman series at all up to this point. So I would say that the colony is probably something that's going to come back, probably not as it was, but maybe the general takes, or Ulysses Armstrong takes control of the colony because Jacob Kane decides he's going to, you know, step aside because of his the conflict with the with Batwoman or something like that. But I feel like they're definitely hinting at something coming up. So the other thing I want to talk about is kind of the resolution of this story. So tomorrow, Tim, the whole goal that he has is to kill Batwoman to basically stop this horrible future that he believes is still going to occur. The question is, the way the story arc works, it doesn't really actually conclude anything. It's It really just feels, at least to me, as a middle piece to the next story arc because the next story arc is dealing with whatever this event that Batwoman is involved in that's going to <gasps> force everything to become. And I believe the next story arc, if I remember correctly, is called the future Batman or the future of the Batman or something like that. So I'm guessing that the reason behind that is because, you know, they're dealing with that. We also know that that one issue that happened in Batwoman where it was the future version of Batwoman dealing with 
coming to take out the futuristic Tomorrow Tim with Jason Todd at her side, we know that that's leading up to what's going to happen in the next story arc as well. Now, I'm basing this off of not knowing the solicitation. I I mean, I I generically know what's happening solicitation-wise, and I know that that's the story arc. But do you feel as if we're going to see the future versions of the characters similar to the way they were portrayed in the Batwoman one issue story that ties into this and kind of the repercussions of that futuristic bad world where Batwoman is at war with Batman, Tim Drake, and then kind of like jumping back and forth between the two. Cause that's the way I foresee it happening is where we see whatever the event is take place in maybe the second issue of the story arc. Then we see some flash forwards, I guess, to the future where Batwoman is trying to take out future Tim. There's still people out there who believe that the Batman of tomorrow that is going to appear in the Super Sons crossover is in fact Tim Drake, but that is right around the corner. So I, I have my doubts on whether or not that is Tim Drake. It, it would, I guess, make sense given that there is already a tomorrow, uh, you know, a Batman from tomorrow appearing in this series. But I feel like the next story arc in Detective works best if working from both point of views, the future and the the present at the same time. So I I guess your guys' thoughts on what's to come and basically the way this story resolved as whether or not you believed it actually did resolve anything or if it just is purely set up for the next story arc. No, it didn't resolve anything. It just didn't. I mean... We're where we were when the story started. Tim's going to be evil in the future. Uh, Tim from the future didn't solve anything. And current Tim can't believe he'd end up like that. No. Uh, set up. All set up, which is fine. Stories need to be set up. It didn't go on overly long or anything like that. I would think that maybe it is the Tim Drake over in Super Sons, just because in this issue, Tim makes a comment to Damien that, that something along the lines of that little snot should be killed for what he did to Kent. You know? So he obviously buries some pretty deep hatred towards Damien. And I would think that if Damien was going to go find the Connor Kent Superboy version, that that probably would be something that would happen in Super Sons. So it would make sense to me if if we were going to have that over there. Plus, we don't need 30 Batman from the future running around. That's just just too confusing. Yeah, I was a little confused, quite honestly, because all of a sudden everything seemed to be turning very quickly and then rushing to the end that's why i didn't really like ulysses being in there because i thought it already diverted my focus and i didn't know why this was ending so quickly because tomorrow tim that's what you're doing you're using some alliteration there tomorrow tim was able to basically slap all those people down and then all of a sudden you know he feels like well it all ends so it just it it didn't turn out the way i was expecting it to turn out so i don't think much progress had been made. It's obviously got the brother eyes there and some dangerous thoughts are lurking. I'm concerned because, as we know from New 52, Batwoman was very much on the outskirts. And similar to Batman's thinking of the birds of prey, Batwoman, I think, was not necessarily, in, in Batman's viewpoint, on the right side of the law. Or, you know, on his side, it always seemed very ambiguous when the New 52 began. As if, you know, she was doing something wrong, like the Birds of Prey were doing something wrong. Because remember, he didn't condone those. So I'm concerned that now we're going we're going to turn towards that again. Because Kate, I think, 
I don't know if she'd be the person that I feel like would turn rogue because there are some people I think that have a really strong will and belief system and they are not going to be turned away from that belief system and in that case they're going to turn evil. I'm trying to think of an example. There are clearly examples but I can't come up with one right now. But I just don't know that I would see Kate in that particular role. Yeah, I guess Jason, to a certain extent, you could kind of see where he uh, felt like he was on Batman's side. He wanted to get rid of evil, but he had a very different way of doing it. And in that case, he sort of turned bad himself, you know, or an anti-vigilante anyways. So uh, I'm just concerned about it. And yeah, I guess I hopefully that answered your question. Well, I would basically just just to wrap up that question. I, I feel as if it was set up for the the story. The big thing is, I definitely agree with what Ed said about you know we don't need a bunch of future Batmans running around. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have more than one. It does feel like it would make the most sense to have the same Batman that's appearing in one title pop into a crossover that's affecting a futuristic Batman in another title, and that makes the most sense. So hopefully. That's the direction that they go. As far as Detective Comics goes, definitely set up for the next story arc. I'm interested to see how how everything plays out after the next story arc because, you know, we still have to have the resolution of Tim and Steph not being on the team. That still has to, you know, we have to see something happen with that. There's still, you know, some other stuff dealing with, you know, whatever's going to happen with Batwoman. And then, obviously, like I said, I feel like there needs to be some sort of resolution to that futuristic version of Batwoman and Jason Todd that appeared over in Batwoman just for the sake of wrapping up that because what was the point of basically doing one issue and saying tune into this if you're not going to show those future versions anymore so that's that's my expectations at this point overall this story arc just as a overall point before i give it a final rating i think that the story arc was enjoyable was it as enjoyable as it could have been no but i mean i definitely can see titan's love for tim drake come across very clearly here the throwback to that you know the very short story that had Tim Drake as Batman in the future and Titans Tomorrow. I can see that he enjoys it, using the character and and using all these aspects of the character. So I don't have any issues with that whatsoever. I guess I'm just looking forward to seeing Tim just back as part of the team and seeing how that plays out because at this point we've been dealing with future Tim this entire storyline. I just want to see what happens with the team and how the team maybe adjust. We've had a couple of team members get added to the team over the course of him being gone. We've also had some leave with Stephanie deciding that she doesn't want to be on the team anymore. So it'll be interesting to see how the, the team like changes or reacts to him being back other than just, hey, you're back and we give you a hug. So I'm more interested in seeing how that plays out. I could also see, depending on what direction they do play it out, the constant suggestion that I keep putting out there of a Tim Drake, Stephanie, and Cassandra book I still want to see happen, and I see that it could happen depending on the fallout of the next story arc. So with that, I'm going to give this issue a total of three out of five. Yeah, three out of five sounds about right. Plus, it's just kind of like, it feels like the beginning chapter of a much larger story. So I'm also, I'm kind of hesitant to just give it a, you know what I'm saying, on just this. It does feel like it's the start of something. It's the start of something new. <laughs> oh, boy. And it feels so... Um, it's... <laughs> so, whoo! A three. Out of five. Bats. 
All right, so over on the website, Ian also gave it three, so that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. First up, on November 1st, we had main TV books. We already talked about Batman number 34. Nightwing number 32, Nightwing and Raptor talk over a game of blackjack. This was reviewed by Paul. He gave it 2 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Abstain. Secondary TBU books, Batman the Devastator, number one, Superman's family faces one of their worst nightmares, an evil Batman combined with Doomsday. This was by Ian. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. Batman White Knight, number two, Jack Napier reunites with Harley and the Gotham Rogues Gallery. Bruce Wayne attends a party and continues working with Freeze to try and save Alfred. This is by Adele. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. The Shadow, Batman number two, Batman and the Shadow team up again as the villains behind the Silent Seven are revealed. This is by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Batman the Dark Prince Charming number one. A girl who may have a connection to Bruce Wayne is kidnapped by the Joker, causing Batman to embark on a frantic quest to find her. This is by Adil. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Abstain. Bane Conquest number 7. After the demise of the Naja Naja, Bane and his crew are in a race against time to find the next Naja Naja <laughs> and in direct competition with the Cobra Cult. This was by David. He gave it 4 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica number 2. Harley and Ivy infiltrate the Lodge House party to encourage... Hiram Lodge to stop an eco-destroying building project, but the pair are confronted by their doppelgangers, a costume, Betty and Veronica. This is by Jerry. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Abstain. Main DC Universe books, Justice League number 32, Cyborg attempts to rally the Justice League against the Dark Knights in the second part of the Bats Out of Hell crossover. This was reviewed by Ian. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a, uh, a thumbs down. A thumbs down. Yeah, yeah, it's a thumbs down. It is. The entire Bats Out of Hell crossover is kind of a thumbs down. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells United number 5, which includes usual chapters 9 through 10, the bombshell versions of Clayface and the General. Ulysses Armstrong both appear in the issue. Dead Man number 1, Batman, James Gordon, Hook, Sensei, and Alfred all appear in the issue. Deathstroke number 25, Riddler and Raptor appear in the issue. Green Arrow number 34, Black Canary and Clock King appear in the issue. And Injustice 2 number 13, which includes digital chapters number 25 through 26, the Injustice version of Damian Wayne appears in the issue. Moving over to November 8th, main TBU books. We already talked about Detective Comics, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number 16. The birds, along with a bunch of other female allies, aim to save Gotham from the virus affecting the male population. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. 
Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 16, after being captured by Amanda Waller. The Outlaws must work with the Suicide Squad on a mission to save the world from the villain Harvest and his colony. This is Eli Bill. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Well, the wall's really busy. She's in this book. She's in, you know, Suicide Squad. She's over in Background, the Birds of Prey. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Harley Quinn, number 31, with the life of Mason at stake. Harley and Harley Sin traveled to the mayor's hideout in an attempt to rescue Mason. This would be by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Abstain. Secondary TBU books, Batman Lost, number one, trapped in the dark multiverse, an elderly Bruce Wayne finds a mystery lurking in his own history. Zoo by Jessica. She gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Just so you know, if Batman Lost is actually part of the Dark Knight's Metal event, essentially. If you are at all curious as to what's going on or you have any desire that Grant Morrison return to Batman comics, you should check this book out. It's very Grant Morrison-y, is the best way I could put it. And Jessica did a crazy, crazy detailed breakdown of this entire issue, and her analysis is, was insane. So much so that Scott Snyder actually retweeted it out. So props to her for that. Ragman number two, overcoming severe PTSD, Rory battles his own demons, literally, and saves his father and possibly all of Gotham City. This is by Corbin. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Neutral. Abstain. Main DC Universe books, Justice League of America number 18. With Batman MIA, the team is picked apart by a new threat that was right there in front of them the whole time. This is by Matthew. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Abstain. Titans number 17 with the real traitor revealed is Donna Troy from no. the future. The Titans try to figure out how to defeat her while Kid Flash appears and says he might have a way of bringing Wally West back from the dead. This is you by Matthew. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Suicide Squad number 29. The squad continues their mission to the moon to stop the monster. But the real monster might have been with them since they left Earth's Whoa. atmosphere. This is you by Paul. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, Gotham City Garage number three, which includes usual chapters number five through six. The Gotham City Garage versions of Batman, Barbara Gordon, Harley Quinn, and Joker all appear in the issue. Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number 32 the evil dark knights including dawnbreaker murder machine red death drowned merciless batman who laughs all appear in the issue which is the third part of the bats out of hell crossover and new superman number 17 which has batman along with the justice league the batman of china and robin bot all appear in the issue and then as far as tbu trades and hardcovers we have Batman Detective Comics The Rebirth Deluxe Edition Book 1 hardcover, Two-Face, A Celebration of 75 Years hardcover, Justice League Volume 4 Endless Trade Paperback, Absolute Justice League The World's Greatest Superheroes hardcover, A Very DC Universe Rebirth Christmas Trade Paperback, DC's Greatest Hits Trade Paperback box set, Batman Nightfall Volume 2 Night Quest Omnibus hardcover, Batman Hush 15th Anniversary Deluxe Edition hardcover, Batman and Robin by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason Omnibus hardcover, Batgirl Volume 2 Son of Penguin Trade Paperback, Justice League of America Volume 2 Curse of the King Butcher Trade Paperback, and Titans The Lazarus Contract hardcover. So be sure to check out 
all of those books that we mentioned that we gave thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral ratings. All those books have detailed reviews over at the site for you to check out. Also, be sure to comment on those reviews and let us know whether or not you're liking those books. You also have the opportunity to actually rate some of these books. So if you don't know, you can actually go to one of the reviews by clicking the review. And if you scroll down, you see the the rating that the actual the reviewer, the writer of the article, uh, they actually gave the, the book. But if you keep going down to the little black box at the bottom there's a spot where you can actually says user rating there's some stars in the bottom of the box you can actually rate the book based off of your own rating and then it gives a more averaged review rating it also lets other people know whether or not you you enjoyed the book as well so be sure to check that out if you haven't um with that we're going to dive straight into our listener q a's because we have a couple of different ones to get through First one we have comes from Brett. Brett says, PPS, would you look at that? I was right. If you got to read Tom King's Batman this week, Bat and Cat were not looking for Italia. They were looking for Holly Robinson to clear Cat's name. Called it. Boom. Mic drop. PPPS. Every time I see the name Holly Robinson, I think about Holly Robinson Pete, who was on Hanging with Mr. Koopa. Do you remember her? Married to Rodney Pete, the football player. Have a great week, TBU crew. So, not to skip your first comment, but yes, we, we talked about that the last episode. The second comment, I do remember Holly Robinson Pete, uh, and I did watch Hang with Mr. Cooper. I don't think anybody really? uh, is in my age range did not watch all the shows on TGIF on oh, ABC every Friday night. TGIF. I, I, I didn't watch it. That You're also 10 years Whoa, older than me, so that would make sense. Oh, he just called you out, sir. Oh, What's oh, your response? <laughs> I need a cane. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I remember that. Anybody else remember TGIF, Step by Step, Full House at one point? Sabrina! Uh, what else Boy do we meets have? World. Family Matters, Sabrina, Boy Meets World, yeah. I'm too old. <laughs> I think Hanging with Mr. Cooper was probably the shortest of the running of those shows that we just mentioned. But All right, so the next comment comes from Ian. Yes, Ian Prime. Very interesting discussion of the current state of the Batman title under Tom King. I have to admit I am enjoying the current Batman title a lot more under King's pen than under either Snyder or Morrison's hands. While I do agree that War of Jokes and Riddles, a.k.a. Poops and Giggles, is very weak, the overall storyline with Catwoman is something that I'm really enjoying, whereas the overall storylines of Snyder and Morrison, I didn't. Morrison did institute the whole period of Batman Reborn and Batman Incorporated, both of which were status quo that I loved, but his actual writing I can't stand. Snyder is an excellent writer, but his stuff almost never pays off at all in the long run, and his voice for Batman doesn't ring true at all for me, not to mention his voice for almost everyone else, particularly the villains. I know Dustin was really not enjoying the super heavy period of Snyder's run. That's my favorite, actually. Somewhat amusingly, that was probably the part of Snyder's run I enjoyed the most. High five, mm. Ian! Because I didn't have the problem with Bruce's voice the whole time. Smiley-faced emoji. How do you think the current Tom King status quo compares to the Jim Bat status quo in terms of your enjoyment? And not looking back at Jim Bats, knowing when it would end, being one or two issues into the Jim Bats era with 
no clue how long Snyder would stretch it out. Do you think this is really a low point in the Batman title for your reading experience and enjoyment? And do you think it will damage your investment in the characters and universe? I hope not. At least we have Detective. Well, I guess my my memory when it comes to a lot of these comic series and especially the way I rate them is is very hazy. I mean, I, I'm not trying to dismiss that I didn't enjoy Super Heavy. There was plenty of things I, I distinctly remember not liking about Super Heavy. Mostly, the thing that bugged me the most was the villain that they chose to use, which that which which was the Mister Bloom. I mean, I I know that that, but like when whenever somebody comments about, hey, I know uh, Dustin, you you didn't like this. You remember that? And I'm like, mm, and I. I'd have to honestly would have to go back and like listen to some of the episodes of where we reviewed some of those so I would know for sure. But I'm not definitely disagreeing with you because there's definitely things about that that run that I did not like. But that being said, how do I think Tom King's status quo compares to the Jim Back status quo and some of the other ones? I oof. I would say that I probably am enjoying Tom King's run more than Super Heavy and the Jim Bats run overall um, because I like the fact that at least we're getting this story with Catwoman and the engagement. I don't know. Obviously, we don't know how it's all going to play out, but I'm for now, I'm liking the idea of them at least going this route and exploring things that have otherwise not been explored. For a lot of stories, regardless of whether it's Snyder, Morrison, or even some of the other you know, other series that were out during the New 52, like Batman and Robin and well, Batman and Robin's kind of an exception, but Detective Comics, Batman the Dark Knight, Batman, a lot of the times it just felt like there wasn't like, especially not, not so much Batman, but Detective Comics and Batman the Dark Knight for a very long period of time just felt like they were just telling a story. It didn't matter that like there was no repercussions, there was no fallout from it, and the thing no uh, editing in some cases. Yeah, exactly. And the, the the thing is with Super Heavy, it's not so much that there wasn't fallout from it because I mean it was directly related to the fallout from another story, so you can't sit there and fault it because there was I mean like there was changes within the continuity, but in some cases it was just reverting it back to the way it was before, where Bruce takes back over the role of Batman from Jim Gordon, but ultimately, you know, they're just putting back the status quo of where they wanted to put it or wanted to have it going forward. That being said, you know, with what's going on right now, like there's definitely issues that I have with the specific writing, but the concepts and stories that he's telling outside of the issues that I have with the dialogue and the actual execution of the actual stories. I believe the stories are more enjoyable this time around. I wasn't a huge fan of the Gotham Girl stuff. The problem is, I, I think when I'm com- if I'm comparing the two, I think Snyder is definitely a better writer than Tom King, in my opinion. But I think that the concepts that Tom King has are a little bit more. And this isn't a bad thing by any means, but they pander a little bit more to the longtime fan, where Snyder was more for the newer fan. And I don't really feel like Snyder's stories were really, you know, considerate of the longtime fans. A lot of his stories that involve classic villains were adjusting the villains in ways that had otherwise not been done, where there was not necessarily a reason to do it other than just for shock value or to for story purpose and plot points and things like that. So I think in some ways, the stuff that Tom King's doing, it works more towards the long-term fans, but it works just fine for the, the newer fans too, where Snyder, it always just felt like he was messing with stuff that he shouldn't have been messing with. 
changing characters around, making Joker somebody who has who, who never dies and lives forever, and you know th- some of this other stuff that he's done. Like it's not to say that that his stuff wasn't executed very well. It was, and the stories were told very well. It's just the stories that he was telling. I wasn't as big of a fan of as others. You know, other characters. Definitely, your last comment about detective and how the stuff and how, how do I think it will damage the investment of the characters in the universe. I really don't see it having a, a massive effect. I mean, like. I think the vast majority of people don't have an issue with Tom King. I think it seems like it's a a vocal minority that is having an issue with his writing style because he's recognizing that he has issues because I think he's listening to that vocal minority. But it's not like the book is dropping in sales. If it was a huge problem where people had issues, major issues with him, they'd be dropping the book, and they're not. The book is consistently selling on a normal basis, and as much as I'd love to chalk it up to, well, just Batman is just that darn good and it's always going to sell that much. If it was really bad, people would not be buying it as much. It's just that's what would happen. So the reality of it is I don't think it's having a huge effect and, and damaging the universe or damaging the characters. I mean, it certainly has the potential to, depending on what direction they go. But I feel like some of the stuff that Snyder did with the characters, which in some cases, has been ignored or dusted under the rug ever since Rebirth. I feel like some of that stuff could have affected the characters in the universe a lot more, but it it hasn't either because it was pretty self-contained in what he was doing. So, I mean, I guess to a degree, we as Bat fans and loyal readers of the comics, we've had a good little run where... Despite the fact that there's been writers who have been messing or adjusting or in some cases tainting some of the things that we would appreciate about some of the characters, it hasn't really affected the overall character and the longevity of the characters. So that's my comment. I vastly preferred the status quo during the Jim Bats era, but it's got nothing to do with Snyder's writing. Remember what happened when we had Jim Bats? Remember, it was line-wide. Detective had Jim Bats in it. Jim Bats showed up in Justice League. Remember? Like, I think that what we have going on here where the Catwoman stuff is just only in Batman and not affecting the larger universe is a missed opportunity. And I understand it to a certain degree, but when we went with Jim Bats, it was embraced. It was everywhere. It actually made you... Even though you, we all rashly knew that Bruce Wayne would be back as Batman, since it did go line wide and you saw it in Justice League, it was a, he was in Superman as a crossover. You actually had to seriously consider, like, oh, this this could be a thing. Like, this could be like not forever, but maybe for two or three years. You know, when it's it's so pocketed in Batman, it it even leads more credence to. I think that you know this will be short term. That something will happen. I'm not saying I want that to happen. But I think that is is what's going to happen. Dustin's point about Snyder messing with stuff, you know, if you look at a Black Mirror, that actually filled in a hole in a classic story with the missing son in Batman Year One. And then I think the stuff in the New 52, I think he takes some cracks that might not necessarily be related to him because all of DC Comics was screwing with stuff in the New 52. And, I'll, you know, all the titles were kind of doing that. So I think that that was just kind of like looking back at 1970s cheese with neil adams and, and saying well you know it was his fault he was using some of that stuff. well no nah, that was just the time that they were writing it will it affect my damage to the character no not zero zero i mean i've been reading batman slash detective comics slash assorted crossovers and other series like legends of the dark knight pretty much continuously since death in the family came out where jason todd was actually killed <laughs> 
<sighs> so that's like 24 years. And in 24 years, there has been some... <laughs> Dustin, you've read them all, right? There has been some brutally bad writers, right? I'm not going to even say their names. <laughs> there has been some story arcs that are pure nonsense. Like, they don't even... You read them and you're like, what in the world? This doesn't even make sense. There's also been brilliant things. I don't think Tom King's run is epically terrible. I think that the the guy plays with some really super cool ideas that just kind of fizzles out every time. But I don't think it's some... I don't think he's doing massive damage to the character. Not even a little bit. I, I think that that he's he's a good writer. I don't I, I mean I've read some of his stuff like Omega Man that is fantastic. So I know he's got it in him, but destroying my interest of the character? No, nah, dude, you should read there's some issues from like ninety to ninety-three. Brutal. Bad. Don't let the the lens everyone always always idolizes the stuff they read when they were young. There's some absolutely terrible stuff. Early two thousands there is too. It doesn't affect my interest of the character. Maybe I'm in the minority, not in this group, but I know a lot of, of hardened comic book fans read something and get turned off from the character. When I read a terrible issue, I may dislike it. I may get on here and wax philosophically about it, but it never tarnishes my love of the medium, my love of the character. It's just a bad issue, and that's that. I really liked the Super Heavy. That was actually my favorite of the Snyder stuff, with the exception of Black Mirror. I, I just feel like he is long. And he might be better to read in trade because I'm sort of discovering this. I just had this idea also come to me as I discussed with myself on the latest Speckled Oracle about, I guess, what should a single issue look like? Should a single issue be sufficient enough for someone to get enough of the story that they can then continue on and there's not any question? Should a single issue really have lots of questions at the end that not one issue is going to fill in everything and so maybe it's better to read everything as a whole because with Batgirl I didn't like issue 14 this was the summer of lies don't worry I've got a point but I didn't like 14 at all I just thought uh I don't you know there's lots of weird stuff going on not really sure where she's going read 15 16 went back and read 14 and having read two other issues is like oh Okay, well, I see where she's going now. But I don't know if that's the duty of a single issue. You know, I just kind of read Snyder like that as well. Like, maybe it's better to read his whole thing in one run, and maybe I'll become more appreciative of it. I don't know. That happened with me with Mother Panic. I wasn't really liking that book at all. And then in doing research for San Diego Comic-Con, I read all however many issues were out, nine, I guess. And I was like, oh, actually... I really like this. But anyway, Super Heavy was my favorite, and I think one of the reasons was because Bruce Wayne was not Batman. He had a completely different life. We had Vicki Vale, Shipper, and uh, you had the Jim Gordon. I just thought it was re- I really liked it. I really liked it. And I think maybe I was just burned out on Bruce Wayne's Batman, and I needed a change. And, yeah, I absolutely, I loved that. And, and I think something that was really strong about it was something that Ed brought up, that it was... Line-wide. Line-wide, thank you. Line-wide, right? So everything was impacted over in Batgirl. You had Batgirl and Jim Bats, as you're calling you know, team up. And you're like, oh, father-daughter team up. You know, I just thought, oh, it was so good. As for your second, do you think it will damage? That is, is Tom King a low point? I don't think so. I think... You know, we're not given these, like, 0.5s and 1s on these. We're You know, we average out 2.5, 3, 3.5s. So I don't think that this is a low point at all. I think I agree with Ed that there are really terrible 
runs that have happened, I can't really think of, well, actually. <laughs> yes, you can. The whole death of the family. <laughs> oh, death stop! of the family is something I did not like. Yeah, I know. We need a retrospective. We do. Dustin, Dustin write your little diary that we need a, yes, a retrospective, the whole story, and, and look through it again. But yeah, no, I, I've been enjoying it. And, you know, obviously we have grievances with it. And I think, like Ed said, he starts off really high, issue one, but then sort of go, it, it doesn't tank, but it just like levels out and you're like, oh, it's not as exciting. But I think there's way worse. I, you know, there's a reason why I'm not creating it point fives and ones because there's way worse stuff. There's way worse back roll stuff that I have read than, you know, the current stuff of Batman. Yeah, he's not, and that's something I, I think that I, I hope our tone hasn't come across as that. Tom King is not a bad writer. You know what I mean? Like, he's not struggling to write complete sentences or, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, I hope our tone hasn't come across that. Have I dislike some of his endings yeah but he is not a bad writer period he's just not i would agree that he's not a bad bad writer he's not junk you've read junk before dustin oh i've read plenty of you junk. know what I junk mean, looks like when you read it <laughs> you came on board at tbu and we were reading nothing oh, but junk junk city yeah but yeah i mean like he's not a bad writer i think like i said earlier i think it's just his execution he's got some amazing ideas for stories it's just how to make that come across in a way that you know makes sense I don't know if it's maybe the double shipping that's messing with him. I mean, the, I, I I really feel, and I, I've said this before, but the stuff that he did on Grayson was much better executed oh, than, yeah. than the stuff that we're seeing here. You have to wonder, you know, did it have to do with the fact that Tim Seeley, who is a much more established writer, was attached to the book too? Well, you can't say that for sure because he, Tom King has done plenty of other stuff that's really good, and he's the only, you know, he's the sole writer. Amazing. Like Omega yeah. Men, like Vision, and I haven't read Vision, but, I, you know, there's a lot of people who say Vision is a really good series. He was writing it, so I mean, like, there's a lot of things that he's done. I honestly feel like it might have something to do with the fact that he's on such a time crunch to get two issues out per month, and I really feel like that might be the case. I mean, he hasn't taken a break on the book at all. I mean, even James Tynan has had a co-writer on some of the issues that he's produced in Detective Comics, and he's been on the book obviously just as long as Tom King. But it comes across as maybe the, the double shipping thing is catching up to Tom King, and it's a little hard. I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, he does sometimes say that he has to knock out a script, and he's, you know, he's having trouble with the script and things like that. He's basically got to churn out a script for a new issue every two weeks. I mean, that's that's the way it goes because he's got an issue releasing every two weeks. So if he can't churn out a script for a thirty-page comic in two weeks, he's got an issue. So I'm wondering if maybe it has something to do with the fact that he, you know, the double shipping, it's, it's a lot of pressure to come up with the script for, you know, each one of these issues in just a short amount of time. I don't know. But something's off because some of the other stuff that he's doing that, you know, has been very critically acclaimed and things like that, it's, it's clear that he is a good writer and that, and I've said multiple times, he's got great story ideas. It's just the execution just seems like something's off. I wonder if there's an editor thing here. Like, I wonder, someone out there who knows how to look up stuff better than I do, I wonder if he had one editor for, like, Omega Men and Grayson, and then maybe he's now under the Batman group editor, which is a different editor? Well, I do know that I can't speak specifically to the question you're asking, but I can answer a slight editor question, which is, originally, Mark Doyle was the editor on Batman when Rebirth started, and when they got into the button stuff... 
And right after the button stuff, there was a switchover. I remember reading about it where the assistant editor on the book, who is Jamie Rich, he took over as the main editor for Batman after at the Catwoman engagement issue because there was some sort of issues with... I don't remember exactly. I just remember reading an article on Bleeding Cool about it. Mark Doyle had some co-credits for editing uh, the next couple issues, but eventually he just fell off and it was just Jamie Rich who was credited as the editor on the book, and that's different than all the other Bat books. And I think Mark Doyle has now actually moved back over to the Vertigo stuff or the Young Animal stuff. Or he, I don't think he's actually the main editor of the the bat books anymore like he was when they initially moved to Burbank years ago so I don't know if it specifically has to do with that it'll be interesting to see you know how everything plays out though because he wants to be on 100 issues and that's all well and good if it actually works out I, I mean I would hate for him to just stay on 100 for 100 issues just for the sake of doing it but yeah all right so our next comment comes from Evan I know that you guys hate Azrael hey 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 that's fact do not Speak for me, sir. I know that you, uh, yeah, you male gentlemen, but not the smart lady, hate Azrael, but I feel much the same way about Iron Batman. If we had to lose just one person, I'd pick Luke. Especially now that Tim's back. He doesn't really add anything to the team. I haven't read anything pre-rebirth with memorable Batwing in it, so I don't even know if he's ever been anything other than a, a Tony Stark ripoff. Uh-oh, you're going to get Dustin Lala. upset because he just mentioned uh, Marvel. Either way, I'm so happy Tim's finally back. I've stuck with Detective Comics this whole time, knowing he'd be back, and I've enjoyed some of the arcs since his quote-unquote death. But now that he's back, I'm once again hashtag all in. Hey, that's the same little phrase that the UVA women's soccer uses, all in. That being said, as much as I like him as part of this Gotham Knights team, I still think he deserves a solo book again, or at least a book he shares with Steph. Oh, other than Tanyan, whom do you think is a re reasonable choice for a Red Robin rebirth book? Chuck Dixon is probably my first choice since he knows the character very well. Um, okay, so real quick, I'll, I, I want to breeze through this. As far as Luke Fox, I can agree there's not a whole lot of memorable stuff that happened with him pre-rebirth. Negative. I mean, I think the most memorable thing was the fact that he had his own story part of Batman Eternal, dealing with some of the supernatural stuff with the Spectre, but even that wasn't super memorable. He dated Barbara. Well, that wasn't even in his own book. It's true. <laughs> But anyway, there hasn't been a whole lot that's been memorable with, with Batwing. You know, in reality, there's no real thing that's... The one thing that I always thought was cool is initially when they started the Batwing series, they were exploring the, Lush, the you know the Fox family a lot more. Pre-New 52, they did a little bit here and there because Lucius was involved a lot with the Batman Incorporated stuff. We had Tam Fox showing up over in the pages of Red Robin. So, I mean, there was other members of the Fox family that were involved, but they kind of like disappeared for a long time initially when the new 52 kicked off and then initially and then eventually when uh luke fox took over the role of batwing from david zabibi there was a focus on the fox family for a very short time but eventually just kind of straight away from that and then it really wasn't focusing on it real quick if i was to pick a couple of writers that i would love to see write tim drake again Chuck Dixon, yes, would be a great choice. I'm not sure if DC... I mean, I know that DC is doing the Bane Conquest series right now with Chuck Dixon, but I don't know if DC is in a position where they would be working with Chuck Dixon long-term on an ongoing series. 
or vice versa. I don't know if Dixon would be working on a long-term series. Bane Conquest, as far as we know, was a series that came about because of a lawsuit that was filed. So I'm pretty sure that's happening because of that. And it has not a lot to do with the fact that DC is thrilled to have him writing an ongoing series. So I picked Chuck Dixon, a couple of other ones out there that I wouldn't mind returning, despite the fact that each of these have their own quorums that people could complain about. Bill Willingham, I I wouldn't mind seeing come back. I haven't seen him in anything you know, worth, not, I wouldn't say worthwhile, that's not nice to say, but Easy. I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen him doing any Bat books or anything like that. He hasn't been involved in the Bat books for quite some time, and then Fables, which was one of the projects he's best known for, has wrapped up, so there's there's nothing necessarily holding him back from coming back. Fabian the Siza, when he was doing Red Robin the series, I know there's some issues with the Tim's V card and things like that that people had, but I think that his writing was was pretty good, and I loved how he, like Chuck Dixon, incorporated so many of the personal relationships and other characters and built up that supporting characters of the book. But also another writer out there that I wouldn't necessarily have an issue with, especially if we made it a Tim Drake, Stephanie Brown, and Cassandra Kane story, would be to possibly get Brian Q. Miller to come on board and tell that story. I, I wouldn't mind that either, so... That's that's where I'm at. Interesting. Kind of cosign. I don't know if I really have some new Red Robin rebirth. I mean, Dixon's the obvious one from his history with the character, but I don't know. I mean, Tynion's been pretty good with Tim. I mean, I could see him. I wouldn't mind him writing the story. He's got some history with the character. This is a name I thought I would never say, but Red Hood and the Outlaws has been good. Or, or you know, Scott Liddell. Does that make me a bad person for saying that? I, I mean, don't think it makes you a bad person. But I think been good. I think that Jason Todd is a very different character, and I can't sit there and say that Lobdell would be horrible. But I don't know that he could actually execute, especially. Depend. I mean, like we know how Scott Lobdell was on Red Hood and the Outlaws in the New Fifty Two. It was really rough. Mixed. I mean, really rough. To be polite, I wouldn't even say mixed. Mixed I'd to be polite. Sure, but he did a complete like one eighty with Rebirth, and it's been solid pretty well. I mean, like, the last couple issues with Bizarro being super smart, and now this thing that's happening with Suicide Squad is kind of not as good as it has been, but pretty consistently, it's been it's been really good. You know, up until just recently. So, I mean, like, the thing is, I personally don't know that he could do it, but it's not. I wouldn't say he, he's in, entirely out of the question. And the other one that I would like to see, like a dream casting, I don't think it would ever do it, but I think Azarello would be cool doing it. I think he could give us a different take on Tim, make it a little more serious, a little more adult. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I certainly would love to see Brian Q. Miller make a return. I think it would be great for... I, I, I just want to see him <laughs> on a Steph book, and in particular, the Steph in the future that we saw at the end. I think that was, what, issue 26 or something like that, where we just get some glimpses of her and, and what the future could be. But a Tim and Steph book with those two, absolutely. All right, so then our next comment is a reply comment from Ian. I like Azrael and Batwing and don't want either to leave. Smiley emoji. Also, I think Batwing is way better than the signal. Dixon is definitely a good choice for a Tim or Tim and Steph or Tim and Steph and Cass book. Seeley could also do a good job. 
For Dustin, I also bought a bunch of cereal to get the comic book tie-ins for Batman vs. Superman, and they were pretty good. Instead of really obscure writers and artists, they got pretty top talent. Josh Williamson from Flash, Justice League vs. Suicide Squad and The Button, Marguerite Bennett and Christos Gage to write them, and Marcos Toe, Nightwing and Red Robin, and Eduardo Pansica, Batman Eternal and Green Lanterns on art. I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't do another round of comics and cereal for Justice League, though I guess they did do a version of that this summer, which I also purchased. Yes, cereal comics, definitely interesting. And I know Batman vs. Superman wasn't the first time they did that. They did that some other for a different promotion as well. I didn't get those. I only got the Batman vs. Superman ones. The, the interesting thing is it was General Mills who ran that promotion, and General Mills released the special... Batman cereal and they had a Superman cereal. The Superman was like some sort of like caramel crunch cereal. The Batman cereal was like chocolate covered strawberry cereal. Neither one of them were super great. I had I actually had way too many boxes of the Batman cereal in my house for way too long. But the comic books didn't even come with those cereals. They actually came with normal General Mills cereals like Lucky Charms, Honey Nut Cheerios, and some other ones. But definitely collected all four of those as well. So Sealy could be a good choice, too. The one thing, going back to Signal, I'm glad that they haven't brought the Signal into Detective. I really hope that because Signal's going to be the character that's happening during the daytime, he stays in his own book, and we don't really have that, that character crossover into Detective Comics at any point, which we haven't seen. The other real quick thing I want to mention about Batwing is that Batwing was brought onto the team because of his computer smarts and because of his smarts, because Tim was no longer on the team. With Tim back, it almost doesn't feel like he has a whole lot of reason to be around. I mean, he wasn't. Does not. He was involved in the Azrael story with the whole intelligence arc that happened, but I mean, outside of that, he hasn't had a whole lot of purpose. So unless they focus on him in the near future in a story arc, I could see him being the one who actually does leave over Azrael, just f- based off of story elements, not my personal preference of who I'm cool if the signal goes away. I mean, it's not that I even dislike Duke, but there's only so many characters. You know what I'm saying? Like, we already have limited screen time for the characters that are in the book now. I actually like the pairing the characters down a little bit more, going back to the bread and butter Tim, Steph, Batwoman. You know what I'm saying? All right, so our last comment comes from Dark Knight. I've always wanted to meet Batman. Thanks, guys, for answering my last comment. I just don't know if I can make it through 76 more issues of Tom King's Batman. I don't understand how Tom King gets a free pass when he gives readers a bare-bones story that we have to fill in the blanks. I'm not getting fooled by the wow factor moments that keep getting jammed together without any connective tissue. He is treating readers like simpletons who are distracted by shiny objects while he laughs at them. Or like magpies. This has been a problem throughout Tom King's run on Batman. Batman still hasn't told anybody except for Barry about his encounter with his father for the last 14 issues. Why have Alfred bring Jason and Duke to tell them that Bruce is engaged with Catwoman when they're not even going to help their father slash mentor and find out what's happening with him other than just to have their reactions? I guess everybody is okay with Batman carrying a shotgun, right? I think Tom King has good concepts but terrible execution, especially the dialogue and the constant repetition that adds nothing to the story. In this issue, we get bad dialogue between Batman and Catwoman and lack of concern when she takes a sword out of Bruce. Ah! 
<laughs> I love it though. I that was my favorite part. No sorry bat or sorry babe, I have to do this. Just yanks the sword out, making the injury worse. I hope Dick and Damien intervene to stop the fight and not have Selena defeat Talia all by herself when she's extremely exhausted and should not be able to put up a fight with Talia. In the end, I understand that I'm in the minority and all of this is subjective. I really want to enjoy Tom King's Batman and eat my own words about his writing and blow away all my complaints of his run so far, hopefully. Also, according to Batman Lost, the Hush storyline is canon, so how does Catwoman not know who Talia is? Is Tom King retconning Hush, or is this part of the Doomsday Clock story and all the different timelines? Well, I don't want to dive too far into the the retconning and the different timelines and things like that. Now, to just be fair, you reference that, according to Batman Lost, the Hush storyline is canon, you're referencing a dream sequence that is not necessarily entirely showing what is currently happening. There's also things in that dream that have not happened, like Batman unmasked with Jim Gordon standing in front of the bad signal, Bruce Wayne standing with a bunch of women in front of the bad signal. There's actually a police badge that it was issued to Batman, meaning that Batman at some point worked with the GCPD. There's also a book that's entitled, because you're referring to the Batman Hush book that's on the, the shelf, there's also a book on the shelf titled No Justice, which Snyder talked about on Twitter as a potential hint as to what could potentially be coming next year. So, all that being said, I don't want to dive too far into what could, what can and cannot happen, or what did or did not happen, because it's it's a little bit too difficult based off of what's going on in in the books. That being said, a lot of what you said, yes, we we definitely talked about earlier when we talked about Batman and some of the comments that we made about the issue. The thing that I would say in relation to everything that you said, the one thing that you mentioned that I didn't really think about before was, you know, we talked about this last episode where we said, you know, what was the point of Alfred being told, don't tell them but he tells them anyway, but Batman decides he's not going to tell them himself. He's going to go clear Catwoman of these horrific charges. I mean, the only thing I could think of is, hey, before I tell my entire family that I'm marrying this this girl who ever, or this woman who everybody thinks is a murderer, I'm going to go clear her name. That's the only explanation I can think of, and I would hope that's the explanation because if it's not... That's a problem. That is a problem. I mean, there there is definitely some other issues with, you know, some of the stuff that he does. But it it kind of all goes back to you know, this is this is very very much in a bubble. It's it is happening within continuity, and there should be referenced in other books. But at the same time, it is does feel like in some ways it's in a bubble. And you know, Ed said earlier when Super Heavy was happening, it did happen line wide. And my response to that is, well, the reason why it happened line-wide was because at the time they were pushing the whole DCU where I think everything was supposed to be more line-wide. That was one of the initiatives of that. You know, they had a lot of unique books that were different thematics and things like that dealing with some of the characters. We had the Batmite book, we had the Black Canary book, different versions of these characters that were already there. They were trying, experimenting a lot of different things, 
but I think with the main titles, the goal for those was always to get back to like a more line-wide continuity and less Batman's doing four different things with four different characters in four different books, or in some cases, six different, eight books, whatever. So to a degree, yes, I wish this was being addressed in some of the other books, but it's hard to know exactly when everything's actually happening too, because sometimes when you ask the writers, hey, how come this isn't happening right now? They simply have the answer of, well, this is happening before that, because I've actually heard James Tynion had say in interviews, well, the reason why we're not referencing the Catwoman stuff is because this is happening before that. But then if it is, then how come Tim Drake is not in that room with all of the other Bat family members? So Again, I, I just I think that the, the, we've kind of talked about Mr. King enough. I think we've kind of got it out there. Hopefully this one will see a radical departure and we'll finish good because... I mean, I don't ever want Batman comics to be bad, besides the fact that I have to get on here and record this with my friends here. I, I like Batman, and I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? I don't want it to be bad. If I'm going to, if I'm going to read it and invest in this, I don't want it to be crap. So I'm here's hoping that this one's, this one's better. All right, so that is all of our listener Q&As. Obviously, if you would like your comments read on the next episode, be sure to leave your comments in the comment section, or you can leave your comments on Twitter or YouTube. I will be sure to uh, you know port those over, or you can send them to an email at tbu at thebatmanverse.net, but the best place to put them is the comment section over on the website on the podcast post. But if you can't, be sure to leave your comments any of those places and just be sure to make a mention that it's for the comic cast so that we can get those read on the next episode outside of that i want to thank our patreon supporters for the past month thank you lisa jerry no deuces stephanie ian and robert a number of other supporters as well at lower levels thank you all for supporting us on patreon in addition to that, if you are interested in supporting us on Patreon, there's links on practically every page of the website for you to click on to support us on Patreon. The week of Thanksgiving, I'm going to be releasing the details uh, for our holiday giveaway that I mentioned either last episode or the two episodes ago. I can't remember how long ago it was. But basically, the gist of it is, if you support at any level from the $5 level or up, you will get that many entries per dollar into the holiday giveaway contest that we will be holding between now and December. So you can start supporting now for the month of November. Also, if you support in October, you'll also be entered. And then December as well. So you, any of those months, you support TBU at the $5, $10, $25 levels. You automatically get entered into the giveaway contest. If you support $10, you get 10 entries. $5, you get 5 entries. And then if you support support multiple months obviously you get more entries as well so if you support now at the end of december when everything goes through we'll pull a winner at the beginning of january and you will win a prize package that at this point is retailing somewhere in the neighborhood of like 375 dollars which it's probably going to go up again before i actually release the details so if you have any desire to win a prize package and i will be posting pictures or a list or some sort of detailed list of everything that will be included in this prize package but if you are interested be sure to support us on patreon over the course of the next two months in addition to that if you are unable to support us with monetary donations you can obviously support us volunteering your skills that is we're constantly looking for new reviewers for comic books writers for stuff on the website original articles are always something that we're clamoring for that we would love to see more of on the website so if you have any desire to do any of that be sure to get in touch with us at tbu at the net. we're also looking for web designers web developers graphic designers video editors 
audio editors, anything like that. If you have any of those skills, be sure to get in touch with us. Outside of that, be sure to head over to the website for all the latest news and editorials related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. And if you have ideas of what you'd like to see in, you know, in anywhere, YouTube, the site, things like that. You want to leave comments about what you'd love to see. You can do that on the podcast post. You can email us those at tbu at net. I'd love to hear any comments or suggestions you guys would love to see from us here at TBU. Outside of that, leave us reviews in iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And leave your comments for the next episode. So that is everything for this episode. I do want to remind everybody that this month is actually a five Wednesday month. So we will not have a new episode until basically December 8th is the next time you'll get a new episode. But we have uh, a Detective Comics annual that's coming out at the end of the month. So we'll have an extra book to cover. Um, but, oh, that's right. What are you doing? So be sure to follow all of what's going on on tbu we do have extra episodes of bat books for beginners to kind of fill in the gaps while we are not here and we have a number of other things just league is right around the corner and we have a just league reaction podcast plan so be sure to check out the site for all kinds of stuff that we are offering over the next couple of weeks so with that that is everything for this episode this is dustin this is ed and this is samson and you have been listening to the batman universe comic podcast we'll see you guys in three weeks